Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Legends of the Spire. Uh, glad you can join us. Um, on the podcast today, I spoke to Scott Griffiths. Uh, now, Scott was a member of the Chesterfield squad uh, in the 2010-11 season. That amazing first season at what was then called the B2 Net, uh, when we went on to win League 2 in swashbuckling style, scoring lots of goals. Um, Scott was one of the fullbacks, um, playing on the left-hand side of defence. Uh, is well remembered for bombing up and down that left wing and um, getting a couple of assists in the title clinching game against Gillingham. Um, Scott started his career um, uh, in the non-league and then with um, Dagenham. Uh, played loads and loads of games for Dagenham uh, while he was still uh, doing a pizza round. Um, so really fun to talk to him about those days. And then he had a big move to Peterborough uh, when Peterborough were snapped up all the best young players in the country it seems that were around the lower leagues at that time. Uh, he then finished his career uh, at Luton and it was really interesting speaking to him about uh, what happened at that tail end of his career and um, and yeah I really enjoyed having a chat with him. Some great memories uh, whenever we speak to anyone from a title winning season uh, there's always some great stories to tell. As always we're at Spire Legends on Twitter and Legends of the Spire on Facebook so do get in touch uh, great to hear from you. Loads of people are emailing and messaging in. I really love uh, hearing from everyone that gets in touch. Um, so here we are with the latest episode of Legends of the Spire with Scott Griffiths. So yeah, you're a, you're a Londoner, aren't you? So um... Yeah, I mean, um, born in Westminster. So uh lived, I think I lived in London for two years, um, you know, as a as a baby. Uh moved to a little town called, well, a little place in Forrock called Ockenden. Um, not the greatest of places, but you know, it was all right growing up. Um, and yeah, just played football and pretty much played football on the streets with my mates growing up, uh school teams, that sort of thing. Um, and eventually, as harsh as it sounds, escaped um Ockenden. <laughs> um when i was 24 so so you've got like a, a plethora of teams to to support to choose from down there so who's your who's your team i'm gonna be honest i only as a kid did i really sort of support a team um and even as, as i was growing up i never really supported a club but if it was a club because of my family and where we were from it'd be west ham hmm. and uh you know they've uh they've made some improvements over the years i must say they've uh They've definitely up their game. I might even uh, I might even put them down for a for a cheeky Premier League win next year. <laughs> <laughs> do a Leicester City. Um, <laughs> exactly. So do you? So do you like? I suppose that's quite interesting, actually. So do you really like passionately support them, or is it just like a, you know? No, it's um. I even when I was playing, I couldn't for I I couldn't tell you who played for who. Like some of the other lads, they could reel off team statistics. Oh, this player played for that club and now he's doing this. And uh, five minutes into the conversation, I'd be lost to be honest. I, <laughs> I never really followed football outside of um, outside of playing it. Obviously, I love watching the games. Um, like you know, you've had some great players to to watch, some great teams to watch. But I never really paid much attention to like the statistical side of it. I mean, I probably should have. Looking back, I probably should have given it a bit more thought. I might have. Um, I might have even. I had a, a couple of pe- people to um 
not look up to but you know to take a few tips off of like when i was a kid my my sort of because i didn't really know many others roberto carlos was a name that used to get thrown around and he was obviously the same position i was so i used to you know i'm gonna be roberto carlos as a kid (laughs) and then and then you ended up at was it south end when you were kind of teenager for a couple of years yeah um it sort of come off of the back of the the kids team that i was in uh, beach united which was based um sort of around pitsy basildon area um sort of near south end mm-hmm. and the last season i was there we had a fantastic season we went unbeaten in the league for three years uh-huh. and on the last on the last sort of season that i was there when i was 12 well, we'd done the treble unbeaten i think we drew two games the whole season and obviously won two cups as well um I mean, a lot of that was thanks to one of my old friends who um, he, in my opinion, he could have made it. He just, uh, I think he broke his leg in a school football game. My mate Ray Gibbs, he was phenomenal. Um, at the time that I went to Southend, he came to Southend with me, um, but he did have the option of actual offers from Man United and Arsenal at the time, which was... For me, it's devastating for him because he decided to come to Southend because he was my friend. I was his friend. He wanted to, we wanted to, you know, play together. Um, had he not come to me, had he like moved away and gone to one of those clubs, I truly believe it'd be at minimum championship still, or you know, maybe back into retiring. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we we both we we went to Southend um, after a trial after the cup final was played at Southend Stadium. Um, which was uh, that was a great experience. Um, couldn't quite fill it with our little Sunday side, <laughs> but yeah, had three years there, and um, it was a good three years. I uh, I can weirdly enough almost remember the time when I went from being slow to all of a sudden just bursting from bursting through with pace. And even my um, my secondary school um, PE teacher and my dad at the same time said, "Where did that come from? He's never been quick." So um, out of nowhere, something happened and something changed. And um, it was during the period of being at Southend uh, United. So I don't know if I can credit them for it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how those things kind of click in, click in, don't they, at some point. So then you, and you nearly got into the England under-19s, didn't you? Was it like an injury or something? That... It was, actually. Um, I've travelled around the country um, doing the trials. It was it was really good. It was fantastic. Um Happened to play really well at the uh, at the trials. Went to Lillyshaw, I think that's um, that's what it was. Was it? Lily? Yeah, Lillyshaw. Uh, there was two um, two separate trials at Lillyshaw. Um, the first one got through fine, done well. The second one, unfortunately, I was playing for um, my sort of my side, Averley Football Club. Um, I think it was what was I? I must have been about yeah, so it was eighteen nineteen at the time, and the week before. Um, I was, I think I was actually playing left midfield for Avery, and I've gone on a run, and someone has taken me out, gone through me, and smashed my ankle. So I come off, um, tried to ice it, rest it, done everything I could. Um, looking back, I probably shouldn't have played. I mean, it was it was a league game, but realistically, it probably wasn't as probably nowhere near as important as like the final trial, which was one league one week later. So, yeah, I was a bit gutted. I did go to the trial and I did try to hobble along and hobble about, but I just remember it being too painful to really 
do more than about 10, 15 minutes. And um, I don't know what the other lad's name was, but obviously they chose him. And I bet that was the closest I got at the time. And it was gutting. It was upsetting. But, you know, you move on and um, try and try and forget about it. Yeah, I, I suppose you kind of at that age, you, you just want to play every game, don't you? And Yeah, definitely. And bulletproof, don't you, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at one stage... Um, this was stupid. I have to say, it was it was silly what I was doing. But at one stage, whilst I was at college, I was playing because I was uh, in the county football club as well. Um, and although I shouldn't have done because it is reckless, every now and then I um, I had like a little Sunday side for a laugh with mates, and I made sure that I stayed well away from everybody because we all know what a Sunday side sort of you get stuck in, but you get really stuck in. Yeah. So. One particular week, as I say, I know it was stupid. I think I played five games in a week. <laughs> um, and by the end of it, I was like, I, I managed to make it through the whole lot without injury, without without anything like that. So I got really lucky. But looking back now, it was just so stupid. But, but fun at the same time, good experience. And then, and then you kind of made your name, I suppose, at Dagenham, didn't you? You were there for like what six seasons or something? You were there That's for what, yeah, just just short of um six six full seasons. Um, yeah, so I signed for them on an absolute pittance. Um, it was put it this way: my at the time my pizza delivery driving job was paying more. <laughs> um, I needed to get my foot in the door as a young lad, and I got sucked in. And to to John Steele's um credit. He knew that I wanted to. He, I wanted to play. He knew that I wanted to be at the club, and I think he used my um, naivety and my my youth uh, to get me on a good deal. <laughs> um, I did once play a game against Grey's Athletic uh, for Dagnum, still young, still on poor wages, so still delivering pizzas at Grey's Athletic's ground. And then in the background, as I was taking a throw on, I actually heard someone shout. I'm sure he delivered my pizza the other night <laughs> and I just burst out laughing as I was playing. I, I was just like, I didn't turn around and just run off thinking the stuff that we used to do just to like to try and get by. Yeah. Um, and, and what's, what's John still like? Cause he just seems like, he just seems like a proper. He's, he's, he's a good manager. It's no nonsense for starters. I mean, the more I played with him, the, as the years went by at Dagnum and then at Luton, um, I think he did change his ways a little bit. We are, uh, we didn't play what well, we we played football when we could, but we didn't play out from the back as much for the first few seasons. Um, I think his game was more based on sort of statistics and doing the right thing at the right time. Like we used to get um, quoted all sorts of stats about, you know, you can't, you know, they they can't score if the ball's not in the box, for instance, like don't mess about with it. Don't do silly tip tap passes in places you shouldn't be stick it in the corner, let the strikers get onto it and then squeeze up. But I will say this, I mean, other than being a good manager, I will say this for him and his squads, nobody seemed to be able to last with us after our pre-seasons, which were brutal. If you could last a pre-season with John Steele, let alone, I think, nine in the end that I eventually end up doing with him. If you could last one pre-season with John Steele and come through it without getting an injury or turns out a hernia, um, which I think three of our lads got in one season, um, and then you've done well. It showed how strong you were. And yeah, fitness-wise, we could run teams into the ground, um, which is 
partly how we done so well when we won the league at Dagenham. It was it was an incredible season. We we'd, we'd, we've got better as the season went on. Um, a few new lads coming in. The uh, the fitness kicked in, and we just used to roll um, steamroll teams, as John used to say. Um, yeah. And I learned quite a bit under him. Um, one of the better, well, one of the more interesting um, things I learned under John Steele was don't throw back in a game under pressure or I will sub you off. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I only, I only done it once and I never got subbed for it, but, but um, I was always weary after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what does he do in those pre-seasons that makes them so gruelling? Well, it's um, so you do your typical Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, Saturday. Uh, you'll be you, you'll start with a bleep test. I mean, I'm pretty sure every player that ever played under him has got this imprinted in their mind. Um, it never really changed. Start with a bleep test. Ten minutes later, um, two point four k around a around a running track as quick as you can. Um, if you don't beat it the next day, um, so you do yeah you do that and then you do other bits of fitness and a bit of football. Uh, same in the afternoon. Um, you come back the next day, Tuesday, you don't do the bleak test, but you do the six laps again straight away. If you don't beat it, um, then the next day, uh, it's as if you're doing your second one again. So you eventually, we, we do about four lots of these 2.4K runs, um, absolutely blowing by the end of it because it was always in the height of summer. If you get to the fourth one, I think it was the third or the fourth one, and you hadn't improved on your time each time, um, you'd have to do another one. So people made sure, they had to make sure because nobody wanted to go through that again. Um, and then it was just a case of uh, mixing it in with football. Um, but the, uh, just, just, just remembering, you just haven't, just reminded me of some of the, uh, some of the stuff we had to do during pre-season and jumping over hurdles, down, up, press up. It's, it was always the same though. It was, um, if you don't do it right, if you don't throw the ball high enough for him to jump, if you don't sprint the whole time, I don't care if you're one volley away from the end of the session, I will take it back and start it again. And all of you will start again. So, you know, it instilled um, the right attitude, which was good. Sounds like uh, like SAS who dares wins or something like that. It'd probably be good on that. You know, SAS who dares wins would be a breeze now, to be honest. (laughs) Obviously, you've won the what is the now the National League twice, haven't you? Because you did it with um, Dagenham and Luton. That's right. Yes. Like, so what does it? What do you think it takes to get out of that league? What does a team need? For starters, um, the team needs to be gelled, like to the point of as if you're actual family. You need to spend time together. At Dagenham, um, we called ourselves the crazy gang. Um, we were such a close-knit bunch of lads so tight we used to like go out after training like we'd we'd go to things like fright night at fort park together you know with nights out um i mean the gaffer would sometimes organize um after training like bowl like trips to, to go bowling or to go to the dog track or so that we'd have a, a an understanding of each other you know like just so that everybody had bonded gelled i mean that's that's just for starters um a ridiculously level of high level of fitness is another um as you know under stilly both at excuse me both at Luton and at Dagnum uh the fitness was um immense uh, only difference at Luton was uh, we could actually afford to do a training camp which was in Portugal which made it all the more hard because it was in 
even hotter temperatures. Yeah. But um, yeah. So the commitment you needed a commitment. He wouldn't. He couldn't. He doesn't doesn't care if you don't play well. I mean, play well preferably, but you need to be committed. You can't do anything half harsh. You can't go through the motions as long as you put the effort in. 100% all the time show that show that you've left everything on the pitch um that that's what it takes i mean obviously you need a little bit of luck like everybody does like the ball bounces one way or another but generally it's it's, it's not it doesn't take too much it just takes the commitment of 100% commitment to those few things mm. and yeah he obviously had the uh, the right formula yeah absolutely yeah and then and then you moved to peterborough so like at the time like any any good player from a lower division, Peterborough kind of snapped him up, didn't they? Um, yeah. And uh, and, and it, I guess in with under Darren Ferguson, it was a bit more technical than it was under under John Still. A little bit. We we didn't actually speak that much. He was um, Fergie was only there for like what ten weeks, probably less than that, um, because I I obviously went on loan. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. I went on loan to Peterborough originally. Obviously, it was with in the contract to sign properly in January. But the um, by the time I'd already got there in October, they was already sitting bottom and not doing that well. Um, they weren't winning games, and I, I'm not sure that we were even playing that great um, and just getting unlucky. But because of that, um, Darren Ferguson didn't have that long there while I was there. Um, he did. I, I got to be honest. It, it was a bit nerve wracking going up to the uh, up to the champ. Um, some of the players I played with before because they come from my club. <laughs> so like um, Maka, Craig McCall Smith. Um, I played against George Boyd, uh, Stephen Edge, uh, a couple of other lads. Um, kind of a bit hazy on the names. Dom, Dominic Green was already there. Great little player. Um, but I think being at Peterborough, I think he said it ruined him. I think, I'm not sure quite why now. But a few more, a, few, a couple more seasons in a lower league, like the League Two, um, to really give him some experience would have been better. But yeah, the um, it was a bit daunting going up there. Um, and he's like, he's brought me in the office one day and just said, "Look, you're here. You don't need to like that. You don't need to worry. You don't need to panic. Don't be thinking that things are going to go wrong or bad. You're here. Just, just relax. Just enjoy it." And so, like you know, I did. I started to enjoy it a bit more and started to like. Because I'd never really been at a club where um, they tried to play as much football. I mean, and obviously the clubs that you played against were a lot higher standard. You have, you, you know, you had some players and clubs coming out of the Premiership, um, which you could see. I mean, I didn't play in the game. I sat on the bench, unfortunately. But the game against Newcastle, um, for stars, the stadium is immense. Um, just looking up, absolutely immense. But... Um, watching that from the sidelines I mean wishing I could get on but I wasn't quite there with him yet but just to see the standard of the play you're playing against and everybody looks like they've got so much time and so much space when that's not the case they just make it look that way and really it's like such a good standard and sort of it makes you realise just how much higher the premiership is from there really because if they're this good then what are the best players like in the prem? 23 minutes into the new campaign came the first goal. Craig Davis cross-finding Drew Talbot, who hooked the ball back for Dwayne Mattis to write his name in the history books. 
Leicester found his target less than a quarter of an hour into the second half. Danny Whitaker with the incisive pass, and the man making his 100th league start for the Spyrites made room for himself to get off the mark for the season. A nervy last 20 minutes was made even worse when John Sheridan's side were reduced to 10. Davies' lunge on Steve Cabber meant he saw red. A new home and a new season off to a great start. So then you ended up, so then Peterborough got relegated, didn't they? And then, um, so you ended up coming to Chesterfield on loan, like right before the season started. It's not like you did pre-season with us or anything, did you? I think it was pretty much right before we started, wasn't it? You yeah, it was the one training session I got the one day before uh, the first game on the Friday. Met the lads that day, uh, stayed in the, um, I think it was Ringwood Hall or something like that. It was a lovely little place. Um, stayed there the night before. I didn't want to go on loan, not because it was Chesterfield, just because I felt that I was close to making it where I wanted to be, being in the championship. And when I, t I was told that, like, you know, you would need to go out on loan, um, it was kind of heartbreaking. Um, I thought, I've come this far and now I've let myself down or, or whatever was going through my head at the time. And it could have been anybody. It could have been um, a League One side, a League Two side. It, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, the fact was I felt um, upset that I was going out on loan. But looking back now, um, it was the best decision um, at the club that I'd made because yeah. it got me to meet a great bunch of lads, another League One title, and a few interesting back and forths with uh, John Sheridan. <laughs> the training session was great on the Friday. Um, and although I started on the bench on the Saturday, um, when I come on, um, oddly enough from the left back who was there at the time, uh, got, had an in, got an injury um, some, a short way into the second half. Yeah. Um, Ian Morris? Was it Ian Morris? That's right, yes, yes. And it was kind of a blessing um, for me, uh, obviously not for him, poor lad, but for me it was a blessing because it managed to get me on the field. And from there, I don't know if it was in John Sheridan's plans originally, but from there I, uh, I think I played every game um, up until my loan ended. And stepping onto the pitch like that, all of a sudden a wave of something washes over you. You realise that actually it doesn't matter where you are. Um, I mean, obviously people want to be playing in front of big crowds, big stadiums, but, I mean, I was looking at the stats earlier, actually. I think the smallest crowd Chesterfield played in front of was like 4,000, which is a great crowd. And they always had great fans. They had just a great atmosphere. Um, the new stadium was fantastic to play in as well. It was, it, it was, it was an honour, realistically. It yeah. was an honour to be able to play in the new stadium, especially as much love as the fans have for the old stadium. I played against Chesterfield a few times in the old stadium and it was difficult um, on that pitch, I will say. And it's, I was going to ask you actually about whether you had a sense of, because obviously for the fans, it was really exciting to go to that brand new stadium and it was, you know, the excitement was building for ages. I remember that first match. I, I remember like the pre-season game, I think it was against Derby or someone, how exciting it was. Um, and I was going to ask you whether you had any sense of what, Chesterfield had come from and gone to, but obviously you did if you'd played at Saltergate before. Yeah, I'd had a couple of games there. Um, I'd seen a little bit of TV footage as well where um, where they showed the last games, um, oh, not necessarily the last game, but some of the games uh, where fans have run on the pitch and sort of obviously between playing there and seeing the footage, you do get an idea it was like 
mm. an old ground, but a very loved ground with lots of memories. And looking at it, you sort of you can you can never get those sorts of almost. I suppose it's nostalgic, is it? Those sorts of nostalgic moments. So it's nostalgic. I mean, like Forest Green, um, their old ground was. <laughs> I don't know how if atrocious is isn't is a nice way of putting it, but playing there, it was one of the worst pitches I'd ever played on. But at the same time, this this remembering the cold changing rooms and their dodgy pitch, and it's like those things that make you. And like I suppose a lot of the lads, I think like Jack Lester, he was a long term server at Chesterfield. He played, I think I might have played against him a couple of times at the old ground, and um, so he obviously knows uh, what it was like to play there. And I bet it felt like luxury playing on a carpet in comparison. John Sheridan, then, how, how does he compare to other managers you've worked under? <laughs> He's, um, well, I've never done a pre-season under him, but uh, his training was um, was interesting from what I can remember. I mean, as I say, I'm, I've headed a lot of balls in my time, so I'm trying to remember back 10 years, which is um, <laughs> uh, not quite as easy as you'd think. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I do remember the uh, the games we used to play in training, the types of things that we used to practice. I remember getting in one or two arguments with him on the side of the pitch during the game because he'd said something to me that uh, at the time, it was, it's probably sort of funny to him or even to me now looking back, but um, he'd said something that was uh, quite annoying or offensive at the time. Uh, the ball needed to be cleared. And I just, you know, it was it was in the area and I'd men around me. I thought, clear it. They can't score if it's an air off. Launch it, squeeze up. As I run past him, he said, stop launching it. You're not playing for Dagnum now. It's like, oh, you, <laughs> well, you can't say that. <laughs> so I almost, I almost stopped running and, and walked towards him and said, like, what, what's that all about? Come on, don't. But I was like, nah, I've got, I've got to hold my tongue. I'll be professional, be professional. <laughs> And, you know, as I said to you earlier, I didn't even realise what he'd done or who he was other than just the manager of Chesterfield before I come there. Yeah. And people were saying, oh, like, don't you know like, who he used to play for? I was like, not really. He's, he's my manager, isn't he? He's like, <laughs> I, I, don't do my, uh, I don't do sneaky research on everybody beforehand. <laughs> but obviously, he had, he, had, he had a good career himself. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, def- it's interesting. He's definitely got a, a reputation for saying some rather curt things from the sidelines. He's got into trouble a few times, I think, for things that he's said from the sidelines. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> so, oh. and and then what's so you were, and uh, you and Jack because Jack Hunt was on loan at the same time, wasn't he? So he was on on the other side at right back, and you were kind of on the left. And That's right, yeah. I don't really remember you both defending that much. I'm probably playing you down. <laughs> you probably did quite a lot, but it, yeah, it almost felt like you were attacking a lot. As, as fullbacks that season, we've we done a lot of defending when the time called for it, but we were both realistically, we were both natural, natural, not attackers, but you know, it's, it's like anything in training, like when, when, when they're putting on the shooting session and they're making you go and like do heading or a bit of defending, like you're like, oh God, let me go and let me go and sort of do some attacking. Like we're both very attacking minded. Um, I saw a bit of footage from Jack. When he went back to his um his home club, uh, was what, match was it match of the day or, or whatever program it was on at the time? I can't can't once again I can't remember now. But I, I see him playing for his uh, his parent club, and he was there again. He was like up the wing, attacking, sort of full of energy, um, full of life. And yeah, I mean he's, he was a good lad as well. He was a not he was a nice guy. Um, yeah. 
So it was good to see that he done well for himself. Yeah. It's funny as well, because like wing backs now are so important, aren't they? They've become like, yeah. they've become, over the years it's evolved and they've become one of the key positions. And you've seen it just in like the European Championships, how important it is to have really good wing backs. It's funny yeah, you, how that position's kind of evolved, isn't it, over the years? Yeah, you need someone who can sort of do a job in both attack and defence. I mean, just just for nothing else, if, if nothing else, to be able to change your shape if you need to. Um, I started my Dagnum career as a left-back, but John Steele soon quickly realised that I like to attack, but also use my youth and my fitness against me and said, right, that's it, you're up and down now, you'll get back, you'll get forward, and you'll run yourself into the ground. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> as long as I get to go forward. Um, and yeah, so I sort of learned some of the, the uh, wing backs sort of stuff from playing there, actually, um, under Silly. It was more just the, um, the relentless fitness of the position itself that you need. It's good to know how to cross the ball. And from my recollection, I, I, I think I put in a fair few decent crosses over my time, over my... Over my my 12-year period. And, and like that first um, part of the season you were with us, um, obviously asking you to remember back like over 10 years, but there, there was a few good standout games, weren't there, at that time? And I always, whenever I speak to anyone, I've spoken to Dwayne Mattis and Drew Talbot from this period, and that 5-5 with crew, I think you played in that one, didn't you? I'm pretty sure I made one or two little errors um, and then worked... My, I worked as hard as I possibly could to try and rectify those. Um, I think I might have slipped for the first goal. The ball's come. It, I, I could be, I could be mistaking it for a different game. But as I say, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I've slipped for a goal. Um, as the ball's coming towards me, I've gone to head it, slipped, it's bounced over me. I'm the last man. I've chased back, but it's just slotted it in. Um, but you know, things happen, and the fight back because I'm fairly certain they were ahead once or yeah. twice. Yeah, I think it was like 4-1 at half-time maybe or something like that. And we That's right. Draw it, draw it 5-5, five, five. I think. I'm I pretty think sure one of our young lads scored, actually. Yeah, it was Craig Clay that scored. Yeah, that was it Craig Clay, I have got it right, yeah. And that was a good minute, goal as yeah. well. It was a very good goal. I'm just hoping he's still playing because he was a nice lad and he was a good player as well, actually. Yeah, I think he was at, was he at Leighton Orient last I. Oh, really? Brilliant. Something like that. He was, yeah, he was doing he's doing pretty well for himself, I think. Yeah, still, still definitely around. So, like, the players in that, in that squad then? Because, I mean, there were some stellar players. Obviously, you got Jack Lester and Craig Davis up front who just never yeah. missed that season. And even in... I mean, defence, it was it was funny, really, because there's like you and Jack Hunt that were just marauding uh, wing-back, full-backs. Yeah. And then you had Dwayne Mattis, who was like put in defence, who was really a centre midfielder. So it was really... Um, well, he scored some goals as well. I was yeah. I, I say, like um in preparation for this. I, I I watched a little bit of a footage, and when Craig Davis got his red card, um, looking back, he got the man. But yes, he got the ball first. And in my eyes, if you get the ball first, you know, the guy's got to get out of the way, or you're going to get hit. And yeah, um, I don't think it was a red card. But when um when he got his red card, it looked it seemed um according to the footage that Dwayne took his place temporarily and scored some important goals. I mean, he got us um, in positions where we got a draw instead of a loss. I've spoken to a couple of players now and they said it was quite a like focused squad. It wasn't really like a jokey squad. It was quite focused. What was your... It, it was it was a focused squad, but at the same time, you did have one or two little jokers. Um, Craig Davis, uh, Craig Davis, every now and then, he'd like uh, 
it'd come out with something stupid or like we'd be pulling pranks. It, it there would be some silly times. Um, Jack Lester, he, he had a laugh every now and then. Um, trying to think back to some of the stuff that we used to do. I'm pretty sure we had a little cards table going for away journeys. Uh, so that's very important. I will say that if you're on a, if you're traveling on a coach or a trainer, wherever it is that you may be traveling to, you need a cards table on the coach. <laughs> and nine times out of 10, if there's a cards table, um, I'll be on there because I get bored in journeys. Um, but yeah, the, once again, the same as it was with Dagnum, you had that same thing here. You had a togetherness, you had a trust in each other, but I'd say the difference was at that time, um, as accurately as I can remember it, the passing ability of the Chesterfield squad was probably the best team I've been in um, up to that point, at least. Um, and even on even in the other loan loan places that I went out to, Chesterfield could pass the ball um, like proper football better than any other team that I'd played for at the time. And my own game um, improved because of that, because I was forced to do stuff that I'd never really done that well before. I mean, I could defend and, you know, I could head and kick and all that stuff, but to be able to like really play proper football, passing intricate stuff, it was, um, it was a pleasure to be around. Um, Witz, uh, Whitaker, he was obviously um, like running things from the centre midfield. It always felt like I was linking up with him or he'd be over the other side, linking up somewhere. He'd, it seemed to go through him a lot. And I think that was, he was a really important player mm. at the time. And he, um, yeah, he definitely helped, uh, as well as everybody did, help to bring my own game on um, as far as the actual technical passing side of it goes. So yeah, for that, yeah. obviously, once again, I'm thankful to them. But was it quite, because your loan ran out in November, didn't it? So I think you were maybe on initially like a one-month loan or something, and then it was extended. I can't quite remember. And then it ran out in November, didn't it? So you were... You were gone yeah. for a little bit and then came back in January. So were you, yeah, were you that wasn't that, to get back? That wasn't a good um a good time away. I sort of I went back to the club. Um I don't know uh if you've spoken to anybody else who's been on loan or if you knew this anyway, but or it might have just been Peterborough, I don't know. But when you're out of favour, um they don't treat you well. They uh for the time that I was back on loan and for uh, quite a lot of the other times, if you're not in the first team, then they make you train with the youth team. They make you train with the under 17s which is a bit embarrassing, a bit demoralising. Um, and even the fitness and the sharpness—it's like you don't get the same sort of thing that you need as a player. Um, and there was some of that. So getting back to Chesterfield, playing with you know, sort of no disrespect to Peterborough's um, slightly younger lads—they were all good lads and they all had ability and fitness. But getting back to a proper f- first team, a men's team, where you could be challenge mentally physically it was it was nice to get back to yeah, but I, yeah. I, once again i think it was my own stupid fault for my um for my indecisions and my uh, my disappointment at the start of the season i think there possibly was the opportunity to do the full season but being well it feels it, i didn't feel young at the time but looking back i it, i probably was like young and young minded about it and i sort of was a bit nervous about doing a full season and that's it and something in my mind was saying, no, like, you know, test the waters rather than just dive right in. So I think that's how it come about that I was only um, a, a bit here and a bit there rather than the full season. Yeah. But coming back, obviously, I come back to the same thing. I come back to a great squad. I come back to um, a good feel around the club because 
at that point and to the end of the season, we didn't lose more than one game in a row. We might have like had a draw, then a loss, or but that that's actually that's another statistic. Um, st- statistics learned from John Steele, of course. Um, at Dagnum and at uh, at Chesterfield, and I'm fairly certain it, I might be wrong, but possibly even at Luton, we never lost more than one game in a row. I'm pretty sure that's obviously you need to be winning games all the time, but you probably could go win a league and lose two or three in a row. But I don't think I remember ever losing more than one game in a row at the very least at Dagenham and Chesterfield, um, which was a great achievement for, um, for, for the football club. Well, yeah. And especially if you're going to win a league, you need to make sure yeah. that you, you like stop any bad runs of form straight away. Don't you? That's it. Yeah. Like get, get rid of the rot. Make sure, even as I say, even if it's just a draw, a draw still gives you a foothold. And so yeah. you don't want to start that slippery slope. You don't want that sliding process because then it's hard to come back from. You've seen plenty of clubs in the past sit in first or second position for like the first half of the season and then something happens and they drop out and they don't even make the playoffs. Um, and it's happened on many occasions. So it's the, yeah, you're right. It's the foothold. If you can keep a foothold in it, then you stand a chance. By now, Chesterfield were looking a shoe-in for promotion, if not the title itself, just yet. Early pressure against Northampton from Davison Whitaker almost bore fruit. But they had to wait 18 minutes into the second half before Leicester's endeavours were eventually rewarded by Davis. Chesterfield were now in full flow. Three minutes later, Scott Griffith set up Leicester for a second. There was an early last ten minutes, though, when Andy Holt headed in to make it 2-1. And, and there was some, like, that, that title running, and there were some big games against teams that were in and around us at the top of the league that felt like they should be really nervous, and then... We like beat Wickham 4-1. I remember that was the game where I thought, oh, we're definitely going up when we beat them 4-1. And then there was obviously the 5-0 against Rotherham, which was like live on TV as well, which was really oh, it's glorious. Just, yeah, the fact that it was on TV made it all the more sweet. It was a, it was a good win. Um, a bit a bit hazy on some of the details, but just, just re- I am kind of remembering the, the euphoria of like, yeah, we've just done this and like it's it's live and everybody's seen it and people know that we are we're going up we're going to be the champions it's, it's the chances at that point of us not being the champions were just it just non-existent in in the in people's minds and um obviously we were right um like final games of the season uh in that chestfield title win it was it was like almost felt like it, there was a point where we were nearly going to throw it away, and I don't think anyone, I don't think any that we lost to Berry, and I don't That's think right. there was we any lost and then we drew, didn't we? Yeah, and I don't think there was ever a point where I thought we weren't going to win the league. But looking back at it now, there was kind of a few results where I thought, oh, you know, we, we were. It yeah, it's, it's always that thing trying to get the like trying to step across the line, like getting to the line always seems to be the easy part, but. So, but stepping across the line, making that final commitment to, you know, yes, we've won. It's, it's, it happens. And, you know, it just, we, we didn't choke in the end. We've done well. We got, we got um, the results we deserved. But um, I think we were unlucky not to do it at, uh, 
Was it Torquay? Yeah, mate, go, was it nil nil to, uh, away at Torquay? Then it went to the went to the last game, didn't it, against Gillingham? Which I mean, oh, it's, it's great game. to win the win the league at home on the last day is actually a really oh, nice way to do it, isn't it? Amazing! It was amazing. Um, I mean, I think it was a packed house as well. Um, it must have been ten thousand plus people. Um, just looking back. As I say, I, I watched some of the uh, some of the goals earlier. A few like a few fun memories, and uh, it just reminded me. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah, I got two assists in that game, so I was uh, well happy with that. Um, it was the last goal that I think Dean Smalley scored. It maybe that's right. Yeah, uh, Dean Smalley. Which was a great little run from you and kind of um, slid it across the box for him. Yeah, um, remembering back, I I picked the ball up sort of in between our box and the halfway line, but on the wing and started running and almost said to myself, what are you doing? But I like, like, kept going. It's like, you got to stop this in a minute. I mean, yeah, but no, kept going, kept going. Um, and somehow managed to sort of like slide around the last player, almost on the t- almost on the, um, the touchline and just whipped it across. And he was just in a great position and just put it home. I think the first one, the first cross was for Jack Lester. Um Great finish again, just little um, back of his foot, turn his foot out, put it in. And then, yes, it's almost, almost identical. Um, not, too, not too dissimilar. The Spyrites responded within nine minutes, though. Scott Griffiths teeing up Jack Lester to score goal number 17 for the season. And the title was made safe when Griffiths again undid the Gillingham defence to supply Dean Smalley with the third. And yeah, just um, the, the the atmosphere after the game was phenomenal. Is you know, everybody was having a good time. Um, the fans, I mean, the fans made the season as well. Like we actually come to think of it, we still speak. Um, I, well, more my wife than me because she's a lot better with this stuff. But I do try and keep in contact um, with a couple of a couple of a. Uh, Fans, I don't know if they still go to the games. I think they go to away games. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if they've got time for all of it. Um, yeah. Mick and Jane Umney, lovely couple, really nice, um, really nice people. Um, and yeah, so we uh, we still keep in contact every now and then. That actually, when we got married, they actually um, they were they were on our Chesterfield guest list. <laughs> actually, um, they made it to the wedding uh, down in a uh, in Forest Green actually. Um, little beautiful little place at the bottom of the hill, but it's it's nice that you had fans that were that lovely to get on with. And even that evening, we went out. And we thought, what do we do? So we went to a local pub, um, like uh, a, a chest and a pub known for like for hosting Chesterfield fans. And we went inside, and the place was jumping, and the atmosphere was great. And it was nice to spend it because um, I think a lot of the lads they basically went off and done their own thing. So there's a few lads who sort of. Uh, went back to where they were living and spent time there, sort of wherever it was in the country. But I, I was still staying overnight um, in Chesterfield. I was like, yeah, let's go. Um, took my, my wife, Ree. Uh, and I'm pretty sure my dad was there as well. Um, I'm sure there was one other person. It might have even been the Mrs. Mum. Uh, all went out to the pub, to Chesterfield um, Fans Pub, um, and had a great night. And they sort of, once again, they made it for us. It was so nice to see everybody having a good time. Yeah. yeah. What's what's it like when you when you win the league like that? Is it more 
does it feel really euphoric or is it yeah. kind of a bit of a because I imagine at the end of a tough season as well you're pretty knackered and you just want to probably sleep for a couple of weeks but yeah, you must have that euphoria yeah. of winning the league as well you do you do think like oh thank god we're finally there like the season's over um we can have a bit of sort of time to let little little niggles or injuries just like heal up a bit but at the same time yeah the the euphoria of the whole thing um knowing that uh you've just done something um you just made, had an achievement that's in most in most cases the rest of your life is going to be unmatchable um i mean i know that I've won a couple of other leagues, but the feeling doesn't change. Like where I went at Dagenham, I know it was my first season, my first league, and we went mental, and it was crazy. And we almost, um, we almost jumped so hard and upstairs um, in the clubhouse that we almost put the ceiling through. I felt the floor going, um, which was incredible. But this, it was like that sort of feeling again at Chesterfield. Um, everybody was happy, dancing, singing. Um, I mean, because for some players, uh, they don't they don't get more than one chance in a lifetime for that. Um, a couple of the guys I've played with, they've had a two or three chances at it. Um, it's just luck of the draw. That actually, that was the disappointing thing. I never got to do the open top tour, uh, coach tour um, with Chesterfield. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure why they done it at the start of like pre season or whenever it was. Um, I was a bit gutted about that because I never got invited back for it. I sort of half expected to hear something, you know, like, do you want to come and ride in an open top bus and have a little bit of fun? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the situation was there. It was a bit, it was a bit of an odd one. Yeah. And it's funny, <coughs> like thinking back, I think it, I think it, like you say, I think it was like pre-season, <coughs> the season after, and it kind of ended at the town hall, which was like a bit, it, it, it did always. It, it did almost seem a bit weird that they didn't yeah. kind of do something straight away. Yeah, it's settled a bit then, hasn't it? it that people have sort of calmed down a little bit. You still, you still want to be there in the height of the moment, but I don't know why that. Um, why that was. Yeah was was there ever a was there ever like a permanent move in the pipeline? Because it all just like it went a bit to pot at the end of that season because Craig Davis left. Um, loads of lone players went back because like Dean Smalley went back, you went back and and then I've spoken to other players that played that season after and they said, oh, we kind of knew going into the League One season that the squad was nowhere near as good as the League Two squad yeah. going into it. Was there ever the, the opportunity for you or not? I I would have happily stayed. Uh, I I wanted to, um, I, I would have, I wanted to sign another year or two or whatever, to be honest, whatever the club would um, take, um, Whatever, whatever I take from the club. Um, I spoke to John Sheridan on the final day of the season, like, you know, in the bar after. Um, and he said, look, Scott, I want to take you. Sort of, I want to, I want to, I want to like give you a couple of years. I want to sign you. So I'm like, you know, that's, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm well up for that. Um, I'll get, I'll, I'll get my agent to like, give a, give, give a shout. Um, and they, you can organize something. And it's like, yeah, that's brilliant. We're like, you know, we'll we'll organise. I can't remember exactly how it went now, um, but he seemed really so up for it. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm at a club. What I like, I I, I love the atmosphere. Um, the fans seem to like me at the moment. Hopefully, they still do. Um, and it's a great new stadium, and it's and it's a great bunch of lads. So week, a couple of weeks went by. Haven't heard anything. Tried to ring him, no answer. A couple more weeks, 
And I just, I don't know what happened. Not, in football, for some reason, people don't seem to tell you anything. Um, and actually, this happened later on in my career, which basically was the thing that definitely put an end to my career. Uh, we'll go into that in a minute. Um, but um, it was the same sort of thing now uh, at this Chesterfield point. Um, I was expecting a phone call. Um, nothing happened. I tried to get my agent to ring. Uh, nobody answered the phone. Um, and then a little bit later on, uh, we find out that um, he's signed someone. I don't know whether it is um, Peterborough being being funny about it or if it was um, John Sheridan just trying to get a deal. But um, I think he, he signed a slightly younger lad on... Um, at the end of the day, money does come into it. Money is always going to be a part of trying to keep the budget down. I mean, I wasn't on a lot. I was on nowhere near as much as some of the other Peterborough players. But this, I, from what I heard, this lad was on about half of what um, I was on and that may have come into it. I don't know. I, I mean, you can, you never seem to get to the bottom of these things, but when I come back to Chesterfield, as good as it was, it, it, it was no, it was noticeably different. Um, the, the, uh, the team had changed. Um, obviously a lot of players weren't there anymore. The, uh, the feel, not necessarily the ground of the fans, but the feel in the changing room, it was um, almost a bit, sort of negative they wasn't doing great at the time as i remember and it wasn't quite as um there wasn't quite as much cohesion between the players as there was the season before and as i said that's that's such an important thing to have like that bond and i mean obviously it was hard for myself coming into a, a squad that many months into the season not like at just like the first time where i come in uh, the day before the first game and uh, it was it was all right it was still good and don't get me wrong, I still would have signed because I love the place, but it was only it was just a just a, a quick loan. I'm not yeah, I mean, quite sure of the purpose behind that as well. It, it was like I think it was just cover an injury. It, it did feel like we were there, like the club was trying to do just trying to do everything to try and come up with a way that kind of worked because it just that whole season was a bit of a disaster. One thing I did want to ask is that you played in the. So I think it was the semi-final of the Johnston's Paint Trophy match at Preston, I think it was. Um, I think so I remember. You ever, I so, and then obviously we went on to win the Paint Trophy that year. Did you get a medal or not for playing him on those rounds? I didn't. I've not, I've, I've not got the medal, no. So um, no, I didn't get... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's it called? I, um, now, now you mentioned that, it was probably one or two other times that I probably could have got a medal for something. Like... When Dagnum uh, got promoted from League Two to League One, um, I left to go to Peterborough at the end of October. And I know it's only like three months of, of football, for, like three months of, um, of games. But when I left them, in my defence, they were top of the league and they were a few points clear. So where's, where's, my, where's my medal for taking part in that? Totally. <laughs> but I, did, I, didn't, I didn't ring them up and like, like Gaffer, come on, what's going on? Where's, where's my medal? I played my part. Um, I, three I, was, I, was I was happy. For, I was happy for them. <laughs> so then, so then you ended up um, kind of getting released from Peterborough, didn't you? And you ended up then at Luton. Yeah, we sat down. We had a chat and said, "Look, um, said you're not playing games. Um, the best I can do for you is um, we can come to a like um, I can't think what you know, like a, a release fee." So say, look, um, it's not going to be all your wages. It's just going to be like 
a percentage, but we'll give you this. We'll um, so basically they save money. I'll go and get another club. And the idea is that you know um, we part terms, we part we part ways on good terms, which we we did really. Me and Barry Fry, at least. Um, I can't even remember who was the manager at that point anymore because it had changed hands so many times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I spent maybe a month. What was it? End of January. So all of February and the first week or two of March thinking, what do I do? Like, what do I do about this situation? And then out of nowhere, up popped John Steele just signed for Luton Town. And I, I sort of done the sneaky. I sort of, I messaged him. Sure what to have him being there. Oh, congratulations. I mean, you've done like good, well done on a good move. Um, I hope it all goes well for you there thinking to myself, come on, email me back, to, uh, sorry, message me back, text me back, come on, to, uh, to ask me to come down. You know, you know, I was, you know, I, I play the way you want me to. I know everything about you. Come on. And um, when he replied, I was like, yes, yes, come on. Um, he was like, yeah, why don't you come down and have a chat? And it was like, I don't know if he would have um, even thought that way or if I planted the seed in his head, but I'm so glad I made that phone call because um, those remaining three months, uh, March, April, yeah, March, April, May, um, playing for Luton, um, it was it was a good experience. Again, being back under someone that I sort of almost almost a slightly evolved version of what he was before. Because although he's still done the same things, there were improvements to some of the stuff that I saw him do in training that we that we didn't do at Dagnum. And I don't know if that's because he had more money to buy. A certain players of a certain standard that could do a different thing, but yeah, uh, to be back under him again was uh, was was good. There was a great video I was just looking on YouTube, like YouTube in your name, a couple of days ago. There's a great video of you dressed as the mascot doing a post-match interview. Yeah, oh, it was it was fun. I walked into the interview room. I was like, yeah, we just need to grab you for five minutes after. As I walked in, I've just seen like seen the, the big head on the side. It's like, I'm gonna wear that. It's like, what? What do you mean? I'm gonna wear that for the interview. Um, I think it'd be funny. So it's like, okay. So I was like, right, put the hat on, just stood there. And I don't know if people even clocked it at the time, but you know, like I was just scratching my um my fake eye or like itchy yeah. or things like that. It's, that was what I, the older I got, the stupider I become, like just the silly things like silly banter just you know don't take yourself too seriously and i think i'm even now i've got worse as i've got older I mean, you've, you've been getting up that left-hand side the last couple of weeks, desperate to get a goal. I remember you trying to get that goal at, uh, at Alfreton, and uh, you managed to get on the end of one today. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I've had one hit Cully in the head and knock onto the ground. I've had one uh, disallowed, and today, just jumped up, boom, at that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pleased with my, uh, with my goal. Hopefully I can um, continue on 
and uh, get another one sometime in the in the near future. Well, well done today, Scott. And Thank you. Remove remove the hat and reveal all. There he is. Give us a wave. That's got it. Well done today. L Luton would have been another club that I would have, at the age that I was at as well I would have happily finished my career there I was 30 at the time and I truly believe that had I been allowed to I, could, I probably would have maybe retired maybe just this season just the end of this season because I still don't I'm still not in too bad a shape now considering that I don't play and haven't played um, a game of football since um I think I played one game, a one resi game um, for someone um, on a trial uh, the first half of that following season. But since then, it's been like little bits of like, you know, five aside on 3G with mates. Yeah. But um, yeah, it sort of, it, it did hit hard. It was, um, you know, like sort of all sorts going on, depression, different bits and pieces. Uh, I won't... Um, darken the uh the podcast too much of any of that but um... i was gonna say because obviously one thing that football fans do a lot is they they constantly see where players go and that they follow their careers and as players you might not be aware that you're kind of being followed by your ex-clubs but we always kind of see oh such and such signed for such and such or oh they've signed for them and and stuff like that but but you did kind of disappear after after looting a bit and it was a bit like oh uh yeah that was it was um it was heartbreaking really once again it was hard i mean i try not to think about it now because it is hard to to sort of deal with but um the situation was john still um spoke to me i can't remember what stage it was it might have been a bit even around november december time um spoke to me uh, on the thursday on a thursday afternoon training said look um come and see me Monday morning, like, you know, play this week, come see me, we'll sort you out. I want to, I want to extend your contract for a year. So, okay, great. Um, one more year that suits me. That's perfect. Um, by the end of the weekend, he'd quit because he had an argument with the, the board. Um, and John still does things a certain way. He, or this is what I heard at least. I don't know if it's completely true, but he wanted the backing of 100% of the board, um, like sort of you're either with me or against me sort of thing. He had most of them. I think there was one, maybe two that weren't quite convinced of what he was doing because he had a method that took time. It wasn't like instant results. And because of that, he walked Oh, what I was told at least. I, I think it's, I imagine it's true, but you know, as I say, you never get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So I'm left thinking, yeah, but you just promised me another a year extension. So my my contract's up at the end of this season. Then someone comes in temporary, um, just for I think it's literally about five or six games. I don't think it's any more than that. Without even even thinking, he brings someone else into left back, puts me on the bench straight away. Um, I'm not quite sure why. If he was just looking, or if um, he you know. It happens. People like the way you play. Some people don't like the way you play. And from there, Nathan Jones come in. And I, I don't say this out of just frustration or spite. He did not give me a single minute of his time to see if he liked me. He didn't play me in reserve games. He didn't play me in the first team. He just gave me zero chance to shout. I said, look, 
please, I, I, you haven't even seen me play. Why, why are you dropping me for someone who's played four games in my position? I've played the last three years in that position. No one else has, has come into that position. It's, it's me. You've, you've, like you're watching someone who's been there four games. Give it like, at least let me give you a, at least give me a chance to let you see what I can do. Refuse to take any part in it. Just like no, not interested. Um, so at that point in my career, my knee, uh, my right knee, which um, I actually injured when I was 16. Um, and it turns out what I actually done was um, tore the cartilage um, when I was 16, never had it operated on, played on it, played on it. They, the doctor said the best thing you can do is just keep playing on it until you can't play on it anymore. That season, it was, um, it was well, for, for years before that, it was swelling up after games, swelling up after training. Every single game um, without foul for the season before that and that season, um, I'd have to take anti-inflammatories just to try and get through the game. Um, it got to the point where one game, I think it was against Morecambe under John Steele at um, Luton in that season, I, I, had to, I tried to take something stronger, something that the club doctor recommended. Um, I took them before the game. And I don't remember much about it, but apparently, um, I mean, I got taken off after about 35 minutes. That's the sort of game I was having. I didn't, apparently I didn't know what was going on. I was, I was just desperate to try and get through these games. Um, so yeah, uh, Nathan Jones come in, uh, carried on with me being dropped, didn't give me the time of day. So I thought, do you know what? Perfect time to have my operation. Had my operation. Um, this was someone who does operations on footballers all the time. In his words, um, he's never seen a cartilage as badly shredded as mine. How was I even walking about on it, let alone playing? And I was like, uh, and uh, just um, anti-inflammatory is medication. Um, so got through that. Finally got back to fitness um, a few weeks before the end of the season. Nathan Jones put me in a resi game. So, okay, great. At least I can show you. And then sort of put me in left midfield. I was like, Oh, it's all very well, but that's not my position. Like I'm, I'm getting on a bit. I'm a left back. I'm not to play the position. It's like it's, it, it was one of those things. Like I think it was just to say, you know, I've given you your chance, whatever. So we got to the end of the season. Said um, what I expected him to say. You know, you're not um, part of my plans. I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, go and find another club. And this was the stage. This was basically what killed me off. Um, I, at the time, I spoke to uh, the Newport manager um, a few weeks after. I spoke to the Newport manager and I had knew him previously from being on loan at Rotherham. He was one of the coaches at Rotherham. And he was like, yeah, brilliant. Go, I went for a meeting with him and he said, look, I want to sign you for two years. I want to give you a two-year contract. Um, so that, that's it. We'll, so we'll, we'll talk about fees and everything after. You go away on holiday. Um, when you come back, give us a bell, um, come over to the club, we'll sign you, introduce you and everything. So I'll go away on holiday, come back. Um, so I'll ring him, no answer. Next day, next day, this goes on for two weeks, uh, ringing everybody at the club. But at this point, I'm ringing him, the coach, um, trying to find the chairman's number, just the club secretary, every anybody, the, the receptionist at the club, trying to find out why nobody's getting back to me. Um and all of a sudden, I read two weeks later online that they've signed another youth team left back from somewhere on, once again, barely any money. The sort of thing that I would have been like on at Dagenham. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and it was like you've just left me out you just stitched me right up if they would have told me then great if they'd have told me straight away fair enough i could have probably got another club i spoke to three other clubs um off the back of that phone call on the same day and they said look we're gutted we've missed out because last week all three of them in in the previous two weeks had signed someone on, on um as a left back and that was it game over i just I, I couldn't find a club and it was it was just well heartbreaking devastating so all i could do was go and find um go and find something to do as a job and that was it i just i never wanted to play lower league football sort of to the point of um part-time because at that point i'd um like just uh, the season before i just had my son um and i didn't want to spend time away from them if it wasn't worth it if that makes sense like if i could do football as a job i could go home after but i didn't want to be going to work full-time doing a job then missing out on evening time with them so it was a uh, it was hard to swallow but that was the end of my career so like looking back on you your career as a whole you've obviously done you must look back quite proud at because you've managed to achieve three titles not many not many people if i'm if i'm looking at achievements um obviously i've i suppose i've got to be proud of two league winning titles well you know i say two i'm i'm counting the dagnum half a season um two conference uh, titles and the european challenge trophy for england um i think i've got my st- statistics correct when i say that we're the we're the only men's in uh, club under the name of england despite being england c that have won anything since 1966 uh, <laughs> and uh, although obviously it would have been nice for them to win the other night I was nervous thinking oh they better not take my title <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I totally um, forgot to mention no, if you played against was it Netherlands and Northern Ireland was it you, that's you right yes yeah Netherlands uh, at Burton Albion's new ground at the time Ireland uh, over in Ireland um, and that was an interesting game um, not for the least that I, I looked down about 10 minutes into the game and I was missing a stud. Somehow it had come unscrewed. And I was like, oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And what did you do with your England shirts? Have you got them Have you got them framed or anything like that? Actually, um, <laughs> give us a second. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, This is a, a bit unscripted. Excuse all the mess in the background. <laughs> no, this oh. is going to get a tour. A little tour of uh ah, that's the right one so i don't know if you can see it um i've got it in order so um in order of winning uh like what year was won so so there's the uh, the luton one nice yeah that was the last one i won uh where are we there it is nice that beautiful little gold medal at the bottom wonderful nice medal sorry i'm trying to do this looking at side on at the screen (laughs) um and i don't know if you can actually see it from this angle where is it yeah yeah there it is yeah that's that's the uh that's what i do with all of them i make sure they're uh they're framed i've got a lovely little framer in the town of nailsworth and down the bottom is what's it called i don't know if you can see that because it's such it's such poor light down here you kind of see in the shade just about that that's the degnum one oh there you go so yeah excuse the um (laughs) <laughs> the home tour uh, but yeah they they all mean the world to me they're like they're special memories um 
none more none more than um no more than the other the other ones if that makes sense they're all like even the england one that means just as much to me as the other league winning ones they're all they're all great memories um of a great time with fantastic people um of a life that i now miss but i'll always remember it and always cherish it yeah and it's it's one of those things isn't it like you know the, the say it's like less than one percent or whatever it is of, of people that ever kind of start to dream of playing football when they when they grow up as a job ever manage to do it so i mean it's a, it's a big achievement isn't it just to have been a professional footballer i suppose it is i i think i always undercut myself i'm quite harsh on myself like even when i was playing regular in league two or when i played in the champ I'd always say to myself, like, you know, you've not made it yet. You've not made it. And even when I finish my career, I tell people I almost made it. Um, I don't know if that's fair on the actual other people that play in those leagues for me to say that because I don't mean any disrespect to anybody else. But I f my level of I made it would have been if I would have played in the Prem. Um, I mean, like everybody's dream, there's probably not a single person a single child that doesn't at one point dream of playing, if not for their local professional side, for their club. Um, and that would have been the goal. Uh, but uh, the level that I played at now, I suppose I've got to give it more credit. Everybody's always telling me, no, like, you know, you've done what thousands of people have dreamed of doing all their lives and you've actually made it, made it happen. So I suppose I should give myself a little bit more credit than I usually do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd, just give me one five minute appearance for Chesterfield I'm what am I now 38 <laughs> oh, you're slotting to the centre easy you're just like a bit, a bit of playmaker yeah exactly yeah. you well, don't, you don't yeah. need to come at the centre circle I'm 6'5 just stick me on as a target man and just lump the ball at my head <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah yeah front man yeah target man give stick me five minutes <laughs> cool um, great well, I'll probably leave it there I've been yattering on for way too long but um, yeah sorry about that no no it's good well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really good to... No, it's been a real pleasure, actually. If you know, if like, nice memories, um, speaking speaking about a few nice memories there, and uh, it's been really nice to sort of reminisce about it as well, so thanks. What's that mean? Two assists at the end to clinch it? Well, you know, you do what you got to do, eh? Well, we wanted the match more than anybody else in the league, obviously. We needed it and we pulled through. You could see that with the ball for, for Jack, but particularly the one for Dino. You must have absolutely got a right buzz with that one. Well, you know, I'm uh, obviously extremely pleased. Done it for the team, done it for myself. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't be picked at the post. We needed to get that win. And obviously the boys' spirit is fantastic. And we've done it! Well done, Scotty.